Myrtle Beach, a resort city on the Grand Strand coast of South Carolina. It's home to 60 miles of white sand beaches and thousands of boardwalk shops, arcades, and restaurants, and nearly 100 golf courses designed by celebrity golfers. Over 19 million people visit there each year, and in April of 2009, 17-year-old Brittany Drexel was one of those visitors. And like all those countless others who visit, she went to have some fun for a day or two and go home, but she would never come back from that trip. In many of the disappearance cases we've covered on this podcast, this is where the story ends and the mystery begins. We follow any clues left behind, research any leads law enforcement has made public, and then we try to make sense of it all, as the case typically goes cold. And until recently, Brittany's case was no different. I tell the story of Brittany Drexel, her disappearance, and the recent developments in her case. This is episode 29, The Disappearance of Brittany Drexel. She wasn't supposed to be there, walking alone in the dark of night on the streets of Myrtle Beach on April 25th of 2009. Just a few days prior while at home in New York, she had asked her mother Don if she could go to Myrtle Beach with friends, and her mother said no. But Brittany argued for permission to go, pointing out that most of her friends were going, as were many of her classmates from Gates Chalai High School. But her parents stood their ground, telling her repeatedly that she wasn't allowed to go. But she did go, and met up with several friends. She went from one friend's hotel to another, staying in contact with her boyfriend, John Greco, by texting him regularly. It was while she was walking back to her motel that night that her texts abruptly stopped, and she stopped responding. Somewhere on that short walk, Brittany Drexel had mysteriously vanished. So how did she end up on the streets of Myrtle Beach, 800 miles from home, despite not having her parents' permission? To understand that, we should take a few steps back in this case. Brittany Marie Drexel was born on October 7, 1991, in Rochester, New York. When she was a baby, she was adopted by her stepfather after his marriage to her mother, Don, and she was given his last name. As a child, Brittany had an eye condition known as PHPV, which caused her right eye to wander, and after numerous surgeries to correct it, she lost her vision in that eye. To conceal this, she would wear bright blue contact lenses, which gave her a very distinctive look and appearance. Growing up in Chile, New York, Brittany was described as being strong-minded and fearless. In her free time, she was a standout soccer player and enjoyed hanging out with her friends, shopping, and exploring new places. While attending Gates Chile High School, she had aspirations of modeling and becoming an OB nurse. And she began dating a boy named John Greco, 
who she had become very close to. Her life, up to then, had been mostly uneventful, but memorable. Then, in 2009, things changed. Her parents, Chad and Don, were going through a divorce, leaving the normally cheerful teen increasingly depressed. It was a change most people close to her noticed, and at one point she was hospitalized after a suicide attempt by taking a handful of pills. Brittany recovered, but the damage was done. No one wanted her out of their sight. In April of 2009, with spring break approaching, Brittany asked her mother about going on that fateful trip to Myrtle Beach. Despite the aggravations of their divorce, both Don and Chad agreed that Brittany going to Myrtle Beach with friends they hadn't met and with no parental supervision was a bad idea that was not going to happen. Don told Brittany she was afraid something could happen to her if she did go. As a compromise, on April 22nd, Don gave Brittany permission to stay at a friend's house for a few days to cool off. Later that night, Brittany defied her parents and left with her friends to Myrtle Beach. She asked her boyfriend John to join them, but because of work obligations, he couldn't go. Instead, she stayed in touch with him by texting him regularly. At first, Brittany's texts to John were saying that she was having a great time. But by Friday, the 24th, she started to report that she was beginning to feel alienated by the friends she had traveled with, informing John that some of the girls in the group were using drugs. And with recent events in mind, this was something she wanted to stay away from. So Brittany was increasingly spending time alone. Later that same evening, Brittany bumped into a friend of hers from Rochester, New York, 20-year-old Peter Brozowitz, who was staying with friends at the Blue Water Resort in Myrtle Beach. It was a little over a mile from where Brittany was staying at the Bar Harbor Hotel. According to Brittany's text to John, she borrowed a pair of shorts from one of the girls she was staying with and was going to walk to the Blue Water Resort to hang out with Peter and friends that she knew. Brittany reported she was miserable and couldn't wait to come back home, as she was not getting along with the group she had traveled to Myrtle Beach with. When Brittany arrived at the Blue Water Resort, she reportedly got a text message from her friend telling her to come back to her room at the Blue Harbor and return the shorts she had borrowed. Angry, Brittany left and headed back to her hotel room at 8.48 p.m. She texted John as she walked back, just as she had done throughout the trip. Her and John never went more than 10 minutes without texting each other. But on that walk, the texts abruptly stopped. When an hour passed without hearing from her, John sent her a text warning her that if she didn't respond or call him back, he was going to tell her mother that she was in Myrtle Beach. When she didn't reply to that warning, John called her mother Don and broke the news that Brittany had defied her and went to South Carolina, despite not having her permission. 
The next day, John, Don, and two of Brittany's friends drove to South Carolina to report her missing and to start searching for her. After taking the report, investigators were quick to take on the case. They spoke with the group of girls Brittany traveled with, who reported she did not return to the room after she left to meet with Peter Brozowitz. Surprisingly, investigators learned that Peter and his friends left their room at 2 a.m. and returned to New York just five hours after Brittany had vanished. It appeared to investigators that they had left quickly, leaving clothes behind and not checking out of the room. And when detectives attempted to contact Peter, they learned that he had hired an attorney. It was through his attorney that Peter said Brittany left his hotel shortly after she arrived, which was corroborated by surveillance camera footage showing Brittany arriving and leaving within a short time frame. When asked why they left the hotel at 2 a.m., Peter reported that one of his friends was pressured by his mother to return to Rochester. Detectives reviewing Brittany's cell phone records discovered that her phone had pinged 50 miles south of Myrtle Beach, near Georgetown, South Carolina, an hour after she last texted John. Wide-ranging ground searches were conducted over a large area near the cell phone tower Brittany's cell phone had last pinged from, but nothing was found. Despite the early search effort and investigation into her disappearance, with no other leads or clues, her case started to go cold. After Brittany had vanished, Peter Brozowitz's name was once again put in the forefront of Brittany's case. When it was learned that he had lied about why he left his hotel abruptly after Brittany vanished, According to online reports, Peter and his friends were thrown out of the hotel for derogatory comments they had made to a resort employee. In an effort to clear his name, Peter went on Dr. Phil with his attorney. He was confronted by Brittany's parents about his potential involvement and cold response to Brittany's disappearance. He reiterated his innocence, and his attorney confirmed his cooperation with police. The show appeared to put more suspicion on Peter, with his seemingly distant and uncompassionate responses to Don and Chad Drexel's questions, and their pleas for more information from him, which he and his attorney continued to say that he didn't have. Brittany's case went stone cold afterwards, with no new leads or clues leading investigators in any direction. Until June of 2016, when a stunning announcement was made in her case. Seven years after Brittany Drexel disappeared, the FBI held a news conference in which they reported that they believed she was deceased and that she had likely been abducted and murdered the same night she went missing. They also believed her remains were somewhere near Georgetown, South Carolina, in an area near her last cell phone ping. At the conclusion of their press conference, 
the FBI offered a $25,000 reward for information that would lead to solving her case. Then, in August of 2016, just two months after the FBI press conference, an inmate in a South Carolina prison informed authorities that he had witnessed a man named Timothy Deshaun Taylor rape and murder Brittany Drexel in a house in McClellanville, South Carolina, near Georgetown, shortly after her disappearance. According to this inmate, Brittany's remains were dumped in a nearby alligator pond after her murder. The information led to legal wrangling in federal and state courts over whether Taylor could be held in jail on a different charge, but in connection with Brittany's case. It seemed that there was movement in her case until Taylor abruptly stopped cooperating. It seemed from all accounts that Timothy Deshaun Taylor had all the answers to the open questions in Brittany's case. What had happened to her and her whereabouts? There was even a report that he had walked out of a polygraph interview when questions about Brittany were asked which only heightened the suspicions surrounding him. It wasn't until May of this year that an unrelated crime would turn this case upside down and lead authorities down a remote path where all the answers to the mystery of what happened to Brittany Drexel would be found. On May 4, 2022, a 62-year-old sex offender named Raymond Moody turned himself in to the Georgetown County Sheriff's Office on an obstruction of justice charge. The full details of what occurred have not been made public, but according to online reports, Moody confessed to abducting, sexually assaulting, and strangling Brittany Drexel the same night she had disappeared in April of 2009. On May 11th, Moody led investigators to a wooded area near a private gated driveway in Georgetown. It was there that authorities recovered Brittany's remains, which were positively identified through DNA and dental records. 13 years after she had vanished, Brittany was brought home. A celebration of Brittany's life took place on June 12th, attended by close friends and family, choosing to talk about how she lived and not how she died. And that is the story of Brittany Drexel. She made one fateful decision, and it took 13 years of searching to bring her home. The search for her is over, and the pursuit of justice will begin.